Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. If you are a follower of Jesus, and I'm certain that uh, most of us in this room would say that we are, you are called to something absolutely great. It's far bigger than your job. It's more fulfilling than the American dream, or for us, the Canadian dream. It's far more exhilarating than the latest Top Gun movie, although I have not seen it, so I actually couldn't give you an accurate answer on that. It's more, da- it's more dangerous than base jumping, which I'm told is the most dangerous thing in the world to do, or sport. And it will cost you absolutely everything. What I'm talking about is you being the church. We started off this series uh, a couple weeks ago on what is the church, and we defined it as a set-apart people. Uh, This word is, in the Greek, ecclesia, and it's a a called-out assembly or a congregation, a group of people who have been called out of the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of life through faith in Jesus. Everyone in here is part of a new family, a family that has been called out and set apart for Jesus. And this could mean a group of two to three believers gathering in a park over KFC, or it could be a group of 15,000 people meeting together in the Saddle Dome and worshiping Jesus. It's not a building, it's not a size, but it is a people who are set apart for God. Over the last four weeks, we talked about this uh, church being a set-apart people, how we are an empowered people. I love what Jesus says in John 14, 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And not only are we this set-apart, empowered people, but we are a peculiar people. We are a weird, strange people. And the reason why is because throughout history, Uh, Throughout the the early church and uh, church history, Christians have been known for their weird love for people. In spite spite of death, um, disease, sickness, persecution, we are people who love others with a weird, peculiar, strange love. And the reason why we can do this is because we have been loved 
with a weird, strange, peculiar love. The God of the universe sent his son to die a horrific death on the cross that we might have life and life abundantly, that we would be saved. And then last week, Bob Thorne was here sharing with us how God's people are a global people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Uh, It's not just these people in this room uh, in Cochrane, Alberta, Canada. We are a global people, and it's a movement of people. And uh, Bob shared with us some amazing things that him and his team are doing in Southeast Asia with uh, the Rohingya people. And today, we will look at the church as being a sent people, a people who are sent out to the ends of the earth. I spent uh, six year, roughly six years with a missions organization and uh, we would train up young people and then we would send them out uh, all over the world. And every year we would send out roughly 10 teams. And I just loved sending people out and then having them come back and hearing about the incredible things that God did in and through them. And what we did every uh, time a team would come or go out was we would uh, gather together and we would worship and we would pray. We called it a commissioning night. We would worship and pray and then the, the team that was, that was heading out Uh, they would come into the middle of the room and we would all lay our hands on them and we would pray for them and we would send them out in the name of Jesus. And it was incredible to see uh, these young 20-somethings go out into the world and do incredible things for the kingdom, for God. And so today we want to be, we want to look at how we as this set-apart people are um, a sent-out people, that we are to go into all the world. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to John 20, 19 through 23. If not, it'll be on the screen, and you can follow along there. John, 19, John 20, 19 to 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When Jesus, or sorry, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. <clears throat> then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld from them. So the disciples had just witnessed uh, their friend, their leader, the one they had spent the last three, three and a half years with, ministering, uh, seeing incredible things happen. They just witnessed Jesus being crucified on the cross. And 
they, ha- they were in incredible fear because of what the Jews might do to them. They they'd just seen Jesus get crucified, and they're scared out of their minds, so they've locked themselves in a room, and uh, so they, they can't be found. And uh, they're, they're probably thinking, you know, are the Jews going to come after us? Are they going to kill us too? And so they've got incredible fear in their hearts. And, and most likely, the disciples are with um, a few other people as well. It's not just uh, the disciples that we know, the 12 disciples. It's uh, the, uh, many other followers of Jesus in this room. How often do we probably feel like these disciples completely gripped by fear, feeling abandoned, left alone, scared. Uh, I don't think we are in danger of our lives at this point in our society, but it's quite often a hostile environment for the, the things that, the, the views that we hold um, and how we live our lives. And I think often we shy back from fear of what the world might do to us or, or might think about those Christians And Jesus comes into the room, this locked room. They've probably got like 10 deadbolts on this door. And Jesus comes into the room and declares, peace be with you. Jesus comes with a greeting of peace to calm their fears. This peace be with you was a a common Hebrew greeting. And he comes to settle their hearts. I love what Jesus says in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Commentator Leon Morris says this, the peace that Jesus gives is the natural result of the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. It's the very presence that brings peace. The presence of Jesus that brings peace. And then Jesus goes on to, in verse 20, he shows them his hands where the the soldiers pierced with the nails. And he shows them his side where he was whipped And not only does he do this uh, to assure them that it is him, it's actually him, the resurrected Lord, but I think he, he does it to communicate to them that, look, I have accomplished my mission. They tried to kill me, but I am here among you. I have defeated death. I have conquered the grave And his very presence among them brought peace. It says that they were glad when they saw the Lord. Other translations said they were over, they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation where you're a little insecure, you're you're feeling a little afraid, and then a a friend of yours shows up and you're like, ah, yeah. I think that's how the disciples felt when their master and Lord shows up in this locked room and he declares peace to them. Yes, he's back. John 21, Jesus continues on, 
and again, Jesus is declaring peace to his followers. Now you're like, Jesus, you literally just said this a sentence ago. Why are you saying peace again? Peace be with you. Uh, we, we get the point. I think Jesus is driving home a point here. And it has to do with uh, what he had just done prior. He had just shown his followers that he had been pierced. He had just showed them where he had been lashed for, uh, 39 times. The resurrected Jesus is the carrier of peace. He says, peace be with you. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 verse 5. He said, the punishment that brought peace was upon him. This traditional Hebrew greeting, peace be with you, was no traditional greeting. For uh, the Greeks and even for us, when we, when we talk about peace, we often refer to there's peace in the land, meaning there's no war going on. But in the uh, Hebrew way of declaring peace, they liked to use this word shalom. And uh, it's definitely a greater, there's a, a ton of definition to this word shalom but at its very core, it means a positive blessing. It's not the absence of war, but it's the positive blessing of God, a desire for wholeness. And most importantly, this word shalom, this peace, was a right relationship with God. Jesus is saying, peace be with you. Commentator Morgan says, he had faced and defeated all the forces which destroyed the peace of man. As he said, peace be unto you, he was, he was doing infinitely more than expressing a wish. He was making a declaration. He was bestowing a benediction and he was imparting a blessing of peace. Your sins are forgiven. You have peace with God, our slavery to sin is broken. You have peace with God. You are sons and daughters of the living God. Guess what? You have peace with God. You are no longer a slave to the spirit of fear. But you have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came with a message of peace. This phrase, peace with peace be with you, is highly connected to what Jesus is about to say. It's not only connected to what he had just done, showing them his hands and his side, but it's connected to what he is about to do. The very next verse he says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Here we come to the crux of our message. 
the crux of the passage. Jesus' mandate of reconciliation now becomes the mandate of his disciples. Jesus, the one the Father sent, now becomes the sender. And we are now sent ones in his name. The bottom line is this. The church of the future will not be confined to a building but will lean into their true identity as sent ones, carrying a message, carrying a mandate, and carrying a mark. So what does it look like to be sent ones? How did the Father send the Son? Jesus understood that he was a sent one. He was the one sent of the Father. The Gospel of John actually uses this verbiage over 20 times, that Jesus was sent of the Father, or I am the one from the Father, the one who sent him, over and over and over. Jesus knew that he was sent. Listen to the famous words of John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And I think we often miss the very next verse. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. There's a lot of condemnation going on these days. And the Father sent the Son not to condemn the world, but to bring a message of peace, to bring a message of reconciliation. Not to condemn the world, but to bring a message of peace through the person of Jesus. Listen to the Son's message in Isaiah chapter 61, verse one through four. Jesus was sent of the Father and he came with a message. Here's his message. The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Listen, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, and they shall be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. If we're going to be the church, we must have an unbreakable conviction that the church has been commissioned by Jesus to go, that we have been given a message of hope for a broken world and that everywhere we go, we are carriers of the kingdom of God. There is a hopeless world out there 
And the Father sent the Son so that the Son could send his followers to bring hope to a broken and dying and lost world that is completely confused. How does Jesus send his followers? John 20, 21, as the Father, just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you with a mandate. Jesus in his priestly high prayer in John 17, 18, he says this, as you sent me into the world, he's speaking to the Father, so I send them into the world. The same sending that Jesus was given is now being given to his followers. He gave them peace, and then he sent them with the message of peace. This peace is something that we must first experience ourselves before we can go be carriers of peace as well. We must encounter the Prince of Peace before we can have the peace of God flowing through us to a lost and broken world. I love how Paul expresses this message of peace. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, his church, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And here is the message of peace. Are you ready for this? This is beautiful. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We now have the message and the ministry of reconciliation. We have a mandate to go into the world and bring a message of peace and were ambassadors of Christ. The disciples were not only sent with a message of peace, they were not only sent with a mandate of reconciliation, but they were sent with a mark. The power and love of the Spirit. John 20, 22, and when he said this to them, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Jesus gives his followers his very spirit that they might not be alone, but that they would go out in the power and love of the Holy Spirit, that they would be marked with the presence of God. I'm reminded of Moses in Exodus 33. Moses is talking with God and he's saying, God, unless you go with us, I will not go. Why does he say that? 
because what else will distinguish them from all the other peoples in the world? It's the presence of God being marked by the person of the Holy Spirit that they would go out in the power and love of the Holy Spirit. You are a sent one wherever you go. You are carrying a message of peace and a mandate to introduce everyone you come in contact with, with the peace that comes from Jesus, and you are marked with the power and love of the Holy Spirit. I want to note, I want to note something here that I think is... Uh, incredibly important for us to note that the entire Godhead is involved in this sending out. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sends Jesus, the Jesus, uh, the Jesus. Jesus sends his disciples who follow, whom follow him and Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. We will go in the power of of the Spirit. Floyd McClung says, I believe those who say yes to Jesus today receive the same commission as the original 12 apostles. We may not all be apostles by gifting, but we are all charged with the apostolic mission of the church. If you choose to follow Jesus, you have joined the great procession of men and women who are living for something far greater than themselves, their jobs, their careers, their possessions. The challenge is to act like we really believe in what we are called to be and do. We are sent out people. We are not just a people who have been loved in a peculiar way. We are not just people who are empowered by the Spirit. We are not just a people who are set apart. We are not just a people who are glo uh, global, but we are a people who are, have been sent out by Jesus himself. And we have a message, a mandate, and a mark. Lastly, Jesus has some interesting words at the end he says if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven if you withhold forgiveness from any it is withheld this message of forgiveness as Christ's representatives commentators uh, say as the church proclaims the gospel message of the forgiveness of sins in the power of the Holy Spirit it proclaims this that those who believe in Jesus have their sins forgiveness, have their sins forgiven, and that those who don't believe do not have their sins forgiven. What if in every situation that we went into, we were carriers of peace? How would the world look different if 300 people in this room right now went out carrying peace to everyone that we encountered? What if we, like Jesus said in Isaiah 61, what if we loosed the bonds of injustice? 
What if we set the captives free? What if we gave hope to the hopeless? This summer, many of us will go camping, we'll go bike riding, we will go hiking, we will go on vacations all across Canada and the United States. Maybe some of you even leave the country. What if we went as carriers of peace, as sent ones? What if your family of three or four or five or six had the mentality that as you drive to your destination or as you're riding your bike with a friend or as you're hiking, you are a sent one? You have a message of peace. What if in every situation that we walked into this summer, we went as ones who were marked by the Holy Spirit? We did everything that we do in the love that he produces in us, in the power that he works through us. What if we went out into the world as sent ones and we saw the sick and the lame and the blind and we prayed for them, we laid our hands on them and asked that Jesus would heal them and we saw captives set free. What if in every situation we believed that God has sent us to a specific place for such a time as this, how different might our lives look if we believed that we were sent with a message, a mandate, and a mark? I want to leave you with the words from Jesus in Matthew 28, 20. And he says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, we come before you this morning as a set-apart people. We come before you as ones who have been loved with a strange love, one who would give their lives for another. We come to you as a global people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And we come to you as a people empowered by your spirit and a people who are sent out in your name. Jesus, I just pray that as we go out from here, as we live out our identity as the church, that we would see others coming into your family, that you would call others into your peace. And we pray this in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen.